Welcome to the HR Uprising podcast. This podcast series explores HR hot topics and challenges through conversations with relevant experts and real-life HR learning and OD professionals. The HR Uprising is about learning through collaboration and evidence-based action. We want colleagues to have the confidence and skills to rise up through their organizations by delivering real, lasting business value. Now, introducing your host, chartered psychologist, experienced change agent, entrepreneur, speaker, and coach, Lucinda Carney. Hello and welcome to this week's HR Uprising. And we are having a conversation with episode today, and I'm delighted that I'm going to be sitting down with Tamazin Sutton. In fact, I am sitting down with Tamazin <laughs> Sutton, and it's a real pleasure to have you here. Uh, Tamazin and I met through local social media. We were just comparing notes, the joys of Twitter and uh, and having like-minded colleagues and uh, people that we've met through it. But the reason that I felt that Tamazin would be a really great person to speak to uh, for the HR Uprising for this audience is because she's actually a facilitator for one of the CIPD programs. Now, I know that not everybody who's in HR is CIPD trained. There are various routes to doing a CIPD qualification. There's different levels of cynicism from some people about the CIPD. Uh, so I felt it would be really valuable to understand from Tamazin the value that she's got out of it. I know you've been through an academic route mm-hmm. in terms of your background, so understand a little bit about what you do obviously yourself generally, but then what you see the CIPD can offer, the different routes, and what the people that you help to get their qualifications get out of it. And then our listeners can decide whether it's something that's useful to them. Sure. Great. So welcome, Tamsin. Really nice to meet you in person. Do you want to give a little bit of an introduction as to what you do sort of day to day? Because I know that's not everything you do in terms of CIPD. Sure. Yeah. Hi. Thank you very much for having me on as well. I really appreciate it, Lucinda. So I'm an independent HR consultant, so I have two different streams to my work. So one of them is that I'm a consultant. I support small organizations, either, you know, with employee relations issues, sometimes do project work. I also go in and do interim work at times as well. Just keep myself up to date with uh, practice within Mm -hmm. the workplace. And the other stream of work that I do is that I'm a facilitator and assessor on CIPD qualifications. And that's generally at level five, so the HR manager sort of level um, and I'm also an endpoint assessor for apprenticeships as well for HR standards. I'm chartered MCIPD so you know I've obviously been through the CIPD qualifications but actually I, as you said I took an academic route so I did um, a master's degree which at the time was CIPD accredited and interestingly bearing in mind what I do now I wasn't a massive fan of the CIPD oh. um, when I first did my master's which was some years ago it's changed an awful lot since then so as you're well. a fan now just for clear I am a fan <laughs> now say that, yeah. get yourself in trouble <laughs> absolutely I am a fan now I do think they've come an awful long way in terms of starting to really understand business and um and really practicing what they were spouting a lot about which was you know that change from personnel to to really partnering with the business and adding the value and and looking at how we can be credible within an organization and I didn't necessarily feel that when I did my master's degree so which is one of the reasons why I did the academic route apart from the fact that I'm a bit of an academic anyway I enjoy that side of things yes um but I've been working with a company um DPG providing those qualifications probably since about January 2016 and also help on the apprenticeship side with them as well and I'm an endpoint assessor with another organization so what I quite like about that I think is that 
there's a bit more of that practical application and it's not just about looking at a qualification. It's about how to translate that into practice in a pragmatic way for people. So when they're studying, that they can actually go into work and go, oh, I've learned this. Let's see what we can do with that learning now. So with the apprenticeship piece, of course, we've got the apprenticeship levy that's out there. I'm assuming this is an HR apprenticeship that people can use can fund use their HR their apprenticeship levy to fund is it yeah and you do some of the assessment for for that absolutely yeah so I kind of facilitate the the CIPD diploma side and then yeah the, the separate piece of work that I do with another organization is doing that endpoint assessment so they're looking at the apprenticeship standard at the end where they've actually they're applying all that knowledge and all the skills that they've learned through doing the CIPD diploma yeah which is uh, it's fantastic I think it's amazing recognition for them as well that they can see that what they've learned actually has made a difference yeah okay so there's almost two hats that we can have here isn't there in terms of what's useful to our audience you've got the if I'm an internal person who wants to use my apprenticeship levy and maybe I want some more resource internally (laughs) that could be a good route yeah um and also if I'm an individual wondering whether or not I should do CIPD qualification if so which level is the most appropriate yeah do I have to? Because you can also have experience assessment, can't you? You can do remote, you can do face-to-face. So let's start with the CIPD thing. Let's come back to the apprenticeship piece then. So just for the benefit of this audience, just to give us an overview of the sort of the levels of CIPD and then maybe the options in terms of how people can go for it. Yeah, sure. So um, currently, and I say currently because CIPD are looking at their qualifications in light of the new profession map that was launched in November last year right. at CIPD ACE. So they have level three, level five and level seven. So level three is really aimed at that very pragmatic people first coming into HR and, and giving them the practical skills how to do um, recruitment how to um, just do the everyday stuff that you would do as an HR person, as as maybe a junior HR officer, HR administrator, gives a really good overview of HR as a department and as a profession as a whole. Level five is, is really aimed at probably that HR, senior HR advisor, HR BP, maybe HR manager, but in a larger organization, perhaps, where they're not having to do the strategic, but they've got to have awareness of that strategic. And it's really covering the whole breadth of things from looking at reward management to recruitment and talent planning to focusing on contemporary developments and employee relations, employment law, not quite as pragmatic in terms of what you're studying. So you're not doing practical assessments in how to um, interview someone for example but you are doing a lot of practical assignments um, in what you're doing level seven is the more strategic level so it's very much focused on a senior HR person or perhaps someone that is aspiring to be there too so extremely strategic and a lot more kind of academic in terms of the depth that's required as well So in terms of strategic, is it um, teaching them sort of strategic thinking skills or is it teaching them business? Is it more business oriented? What does it do? I would probably say both of them, actually. And to be fair, I would say level seven really starts with that as well. It is about trying to get people to understand definitely strategy formulation, implementation and, and how that applies across the board, no matter what you're looking for, making sure that whatever you're going to be putting in place within an organization, it actually has a purpose. It has a value. You're not just putting it in for the sake of it. Definitely throws away the whole like best practice, very much focus on a best fit approach. Okay. 
but linking that with strategic objectives. But at level seven, it's you're really thinking about being that person who's probably devising the HR strategy, but also that you're that person, that strategic partner. If you're thinking about, you know, the good old Ulrich model, yeah. you're that strategic partner that is working with the senior leadership team on really embedding the value of, of HR and thinking what to do with that people strategy. So in terms of the sort of skills that people are learning, how much of it is sort of textbook, like models and things, and how much of it is hands-on or application? I would probably say you've got a good 30 to 40% of that kind of theory side of it. And I think more that's because it helps you understand the thinking behind it. it, Sometimes people really, really like a model to work from and then apply. And I think there's a lot of value in that as well. And, you know, don't reinvent the world necessarily. (laughs) You know, I think there's a lot of value in some of those models and theories. But then there's an awful lot of requirement to do that independent research to really do a lot more practical application of thinking, critical thinking, using the theories, the models, the reading that you're doing with your your journals and and everything else. So So they'd have to kind of take it back to sort of do on the job experience and write up a how it, how they'd applied a particular module, yeah. what the impact were, and sort of a reflective assignment type thing. Yeah, you'll get elements of that, but there's still a lot of that being able to demonstrate that you've got a good academic understanding of it and right. then that application too. So definitely there's a reflection in there, but um, there's a lot of that practical stuff. So they, they do it. So they learn yeah. the theory, they do a bit of it, and then you come back together. And then how do you assess them? Thinking about the ones that I do at the minute, so level five, actually – the way that that's set up is that there's it's an online program and there's a business district. So actually people that sometimes they join the course, they haven't even worked in HR or they're very new to HR, or maybe they've worked in one organization for quite a long time and that's the only way they know how to do things. Right. So for each of the modules, they actually have a different organization in different sector that they can then base their assessment on. So they have some contextual knowledge And then they need to apply that learning to that organization so that, you know, they're having to look at the external environment for a college or for a department store. So they're thinking of different environments and different factors. Is it an exam or is it like you say, okay, so no, it's... No, all online. So they just need to submit a paper. Right. So that's level five. Level seven, however, is a mixture. So you have a mixture of assignments and and you also have exams that you need to sit as well. Level three, you have some practical assessments within like workshop environments, uh-huh. and then you also have to submit assignments. So there's a real blend. In and it's probably about what's relevant. I can see how that fits with the stage that people are at yes. as well, isn't it? Yeah, definitely, definitely. But it's very defined, I would say. There is some differences. So some providers do things obviously in a slightly different way, but I think at level seven, you do have exams. It doesn't matter which provider you use. Same as if you go to university and you do your master's or or even just the level seven, you're still going to have exams to do. So what's the difference between a master's in human resource management? Is that what it would be? And or, yeah. or a, you can't do a first degree in, in it, can you? Um, you can do a human um, HR degree. Um, okay. I think it's a bit more focused on the management side with like modules around HR. Okay. But um, you'll typically do an MSc or an MA. So level seven equivalent. I think so for me, obviously, I did a, a master's. So I would say it's more academic. So if you're you really, really like getting involved with looking at loads of journal articles, really getting into the theory side 
and then doing the application, that could be a really great route for you. But not just that, I think you also are able to go there, physically go there in a classroom and have peers sat with you, which can sometimes be quite nice. You know, you're going every week. Yeah. Whereas just doing the CIPD level seven, it's not as in depth. Um, and what I mean there is that it's obviously in depth, but it's not in depth as much academically. Yeah, a theory, yes. papers type thing. Yeah, so you've still got it there, but it's not as as heavy, I would say. And it's not to you know put people off if they don't feel like they're academic in that sense, mm. but there is a distinction, I would say. And, and obviously, it's a CIPD qualification, so there is an emphasis on CIPD stuff yeah. to go with that, whereas you're doing the master's side not so much of an emphasis because it, it's CIPD accredited. Right. So I got like CIPD graduate membership, for example. Yeah. I'm not even sure graduate membership even it still exists anymore. Um, but that's what I had with academic. Yeah. So I'm trying to work out in my head mm. what would be the difference between doing HR, HR and masters yeah. and CIPD stuff. Yes. What would go into one and not the other? Because they're kind of supposed to be the same population yeah no they are so I think well for me and I can only really talk from my perspective I suppose on this one because I think every single university will set it out quite differently as well how they do it so for me there was a lot of depth in the learning that was that was there if I look at the the level seven there's an awful lot of depth and what you're required to do in terms of reading and assignment writing but on the academic side doing a master's it was just broader and it was more in-depth. I mean, it took me three years part-time alongside a full-time job to do my master's. Right. Level seven will take a long time. It can take, you know, two to three years, but that depends on when you're, how you're structuring out your modules. Yeah, okay. So you could have gaps in between. It was a continuous thing. Yeah, yeah. So the depth is... So it's almost different. like level seven is equivalent skill set or, or difficulty, yes. but not necessarily quantity of of learning yes yeah that's probably a a a nice easy way of looking at it right so that that, we understand the different ones I can see how they're different it's interesting of course because the whole thing of the HR uprising is about trying to help us not be perceived as these people who aren't adding value in terms of not being strategic enough and so what I suppose it's coming through to me if, if that's important to me and I want to be sitting at the top table then I should be considering my level seven or a master's mm-hmm. in that to help me get that applicable knowledge and help me think in those ways and, and broaden that thinking I mean it certainly would be more about the skill wouldn't it because I mean to what degree do you think an organization values the qualification CIPD at people outside of HR that's a really good question actually um and I think other organisations either really like the idea and put a lot of value on it and go, well, that's a professional body and therefore... It's an essential qualification. Yeah, yeah, you need to have it. But others, obviously, particularly if you've got people that are really, really experienced, have an awful lot of knowledge, they don't have the CIPD qualification. Yeah. They're not going to see that value. And actually, people who aren't CIPD qualified but have worked their way up and have just as much if not more skills and knowledge yeah would they necessarily want to have a team full of CIPD qualified people maybe not I don't know obviously I'm not in that position so it's difficult for me to say but you can absolutely build up your knowledge and your skills by not having CIPD Mm -hmm. you don't have to have it 
at all. Mm. Whilst I'm an advocate of CIPD, I don't necessarily think it's the be all and end all. Yeah. But I, I do think that the benefit of it is that it gives you some dedicated time to go away, have a look at, at that learning, involve yourself in it, reflect on it, think about Sometimes it's just about consolidating what you already yeah. do and it gives you some validity. Yeah. Even in your own ways of thinking sometimes. Well, yeah, actually, I was thinking it's actually almost about confidence as well. So let's say you've yeah. been a practitioner, because uh, in fairness, I got my CIPD because I did, I went up the psychology route. So I had a kind of comparable, I can't remember if I got knowledge assessments years ago, but actually it, I think it was, there was equivalence because of the charter psychology mm. um, that, that they, they assessed it. And then it was on the job learning and what you've done. But I think the benefit is going, okay, so I did this. Let's see whether it is, a, does it fit with the theory? Is there a research that would have challenged it? What could I have done differently? Oh, look, we have that model. Or oh, business partnering. Oh, no, I get it. That's actually a model as opposed to just how we tend to do stuff in this <laughs> yeah. business. So I think there's something there which, and again, in terms of us as HR professionals being valued and respected, sometimes we have to start with valuing ourselves and mm-hmm. having the confidence that actually what we're doing is well-researched, is well-founded. And that's maybe that's one of the things, your validation is, yes. is maybe one of the real key benefits. Yeah, I think so. I, I absolutely do. And um, people that I've had on my programs, I've had a mixture of people who haven't been in HR, some that have been in just a, you know, a few months, a couple of years, and some really experienced people who are on purely to validate what yeah. they already do. And it's almost just having that kind of the badge yeah. and go, yes, I am CIPD qualified. And actually they wanted to do the learning rather than going on, yes. you know, the experience assessment. Because there's then also the other side effect of things like your network and yeah. the other people and listening to other people. There's a lot of training courses you get benefit out of other delegates as much as you do out of the course content. Absolutely. That is such an important point. You know, if I think back to my own learning, that was one of the best things for me. It mm. was being in a, an environment where I had all of these different people. They worked in different sectors and they had more experience than me at that time because HR for me is like a second career. So I'd already been in retail management and done all of that. And actually having some really experienced HR people in the room with me was brilliant. I learned so much just yeah. doing my part-time master's. And I find that with all the learners that I have in my programs now the best learning they have is the peer learning. It's the peer-to-peer stuff. It's the conversations. It's understanding that what they might do in their organisation is massively different to what another organisation would do. And they're just picking up this stuff and going, I might use that. Yes. And that's brilliant. You know, I love that. And that's the CIP. That is also a side effect of the CIPD and getting involved and where people say, oh, do I get value out from a membership? There's a bit of how the more you engage with the other members, the more value you get. If you go to some of the conferences, mm. a lot of the value is about, you know, the people sharing things that have worked and, and, and in their businesses. Yeah. And so going back to what you do, so you're, uh, so you manage a remote one, is it your, you yes. facilitate a remote group? Yeah. So what would their experience be and how often would they talk to each other and how does that work? Yeah, so the remote side of it is very, very recent, actually, because I've still got some blended programs as well, where I'm kind of going in and doing the workshops, which I love. Um, So the remote ones, so we have lots of touch points. So with DPG, we have this community group and they're in their own individual community group where I communicate with them. We do live webinars. They ask a question and I can just respond online to them. We we still have phone calls. So there's still that personal element to it as well. But because a lot of those groups as well, they're linked to apprenticeship, 
it means that they then have with another provider who manage the apprenticeship side, they then have other face-to-face contacts. Okay. So it's a bit more limited on the face-to-face side and that has its challenges. And I think it has its challenges for learners in general and, mm. and, and even a blended route is quite challenging for people because not everyone gets on with just doing e-lessons. Yeah. And so I guess te- You're teaching them then, are you? You're giving them content through over... So an e-lesson, yes. what is that then? How, how would I experience that? So very interactive. So actually, you know, clicking on things, people talking to you, you responding with like kind of just doing little quizzes to test your knowledge, also doing consultancy challenges and client activities where you're presented with a problem and you're having to give that advice. I feel like you would be in an organisation. Yeah. And that really helps to test your knowledge. Is it live though or is it e-learning? No, so that's okay. e-learning. Okay. But then I will do live webinars where it's much more interactive. We do lots of activities and getting people to use the chat box, you know, we yeah. do some breakout rooms. And so there's a lot more of that peer learning going on at that point as well. Whereas the workshops, it's a lot more, it's delivery, but it's facilitation delivery. So they're doing a lot of activities yes. on it, but it's consolidating what they've learned from their e-lessons so that they're relearning. But even just doing the e-learning, it doesn't matter how interactive the e-learning is, it still can be quite challenging for people. Yeah. And I think there's a bigger issue really about time and people being able to manage their time to do that e-learning. And it's also, I just think it does depend on the personality type, but there's the temptation to multitask, should we say that? Oh, if yes. you've got, I think that, you know, <laughs> so learn, actually learning as opposed to, you know, doing your emails or your social media and things. So actually, we, mm-hmm. I think when you have, when you're, Live in a, in a classroom or even to a certain extent with a what live webinar, it's maybe easier to close off the distractions that are out there. Yes, absolutely. Although saying that, a number of workshops that I've seen, people have their laptops out because they're taking, um, notes. taking notes. And then I can hear these pings. <laughs> so like their emails are going off as well. So it's just the world that we're in. Yeah. We're always on. We're always connected. Yes. But then when they're at home and they're trying to do these e-lessons, that can be hard. You know, we all have very, very busy lives. We're, you know, we're always taking on probably too much um, and trying to balance all of that and keep really focused and keep motivated as well. Yes, you'll have some program deadlines that, you know, you're working to and, you know, you've got to put your assessment in, but putting enough time into the content, that's the tricky bit. Mm -hmm. Really, really tricky. And that's sometimes where people fall down a little bit because then they don't recognize how much time they're going to have to put into it it's not just completing your e-lessons yeah you don't get the actual learning by going through the motions of an e-learning do you've got to give enough time to digest it and to apply it to do it properly yeah do that reflection do the extra reading yeah do all of that and that's typically where people when they do put an assessment in they might refer it's because they haven't done that extra reading that they really really need particularly you know when you get to level five and level seven where there's a lot more that's needed you know you're talking about that degree level and 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 higher yeah equivalent so how do you manage to you said there's still a networking thing how do you manage to get people doing that because I can't is it chat or something there's slack channels or something like that you use or no so the dpg community is that it's a community page where because they have their own individual group they can just like post questions on there right. and there's a lot more interaction goes on when we're in the webinars because we do use you know we use like go to training and they can use the chat boxes and stuff it's a little bit challenging at times I think because not everyone again likes using a page like that where yeah. 
they can post questions and wait for responses. So not everyone is as engaged as they could be. Yeah. It's a completely different way of learning. It's that mm. social learning side. But mm. what most groups do, they set up their WhatsApp groups. Yeah, and check that's where and the real stuff like goes on. that, yeah. Because yeah. they're always, say, people are saying to me, oh, you know, we've been talking in our WhatsApp group. I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> and then one person will like feedback and ask me a question on it but it's brilliant because they are setting up their personal learning network for their group straight away getting you know that's, that's what the sort of thing you want yeah you just want that and that what's that and that what's our group will live on after the course where yes. people go I've got a problem here has anyone had this and absolutely reach out to the community yeah definitely facilitates it mm. great okay so I, I, so I can see in terms of the offerings there have we covered all of them this is sort of classic one yeah yours is a it's not blended it's just it's it's now moved completely onto online but you can get some blended um providers out there as well you find that most organizations seem to be moving towards the online delivery um and some are still like dis- more distance learning yeah. so there's there's one provider that i can think of which is really really well known that it's very much distance i, I actually redid my level seven employment law purely because I just wanted to refresh myself and that yeah. was a couple of years ago and I did distance learning so I got you know these big files through the post to go through and then do some assessments and uh, so distance learning they still send yeah. you doc, you still send you files they did just, they sent me yeah. two big files um that didn't really work for me personally and, yeah. and I think it was purely because I didn't have that extra interaction yeah and um, but that is another way of doing it too so yeah, there are a few different ways that people can do things. You just need to think about what suits you. And then do you know anything about people, there might be people out there who do want to get the qualification but don't want to go through the formal training, they want to do the knowledge assessment route. Mm. Do you get involved in any of that or are you familiar with any of that? No, I don't get involved with any of that. I have looked into it before because mm. um, I keep looking at it in terms of, you know, next step for me. But I don't know too much about it. But I know there's loads of information on CIPD website. Um, And I think a lot of the local branches as well, they periodically will do an event talking about upgrading. So if you are interested in that, then I would absolutely have a look. Yeah, look at the website, look at your local branch and see what they've got coming up on that one. As ever, I'm sure everyone out here knows where you can Google the CIPD website, but we will put (laughs) things in the show notes anyway to make it easy. Great. Okay. So then let's move on to apprenticeships mm. and talk a little bit about that. So what would be the difference between an HR apprenticeship and level three? Is it that, are they at the same level? Yeah. So, um, the level three, you get two different apprenticeships. You get HR support, which is alongside level three, which you don't actually have to do, even do the qualification for. You could just do the knowledge, skills and behaviors framework that okay. the apprenticeship standards have set out. And level five is the HR consultant partner. Right. And that does have to have the CIPD qualification attached to it. The knowledge, skills and behaviours that go with it, generally the CIPD qualification will cover all of the knowledge requirements mm-hmm. at each of those levels. And then the skills are more about demonstrating practical application, which can be done with coaches or you know other providers that will support. And a bit like Anyone that has previously done old style MVQs, where you used to have someone come in and watch what you were doing, yeah. you used to present written evidence. It's, it's, that. Yeah. it's the same level. I think it's the same terminology, isn't it? As MVQs was it? it it's so, really similar. Yeah, really similar. And they even use the the same sort of systems. That I used, uh, used to do MVQ assessing as well, and um, it's exactly the same system that 
I use when I'm I'm marking assessments through the apprenticeship as I used to use when I was an MVQ assessor. So in terms of tips of people who are being assessed, what sort of things are are they looking out for? (laughs) Um, You've got a list of criteria that you can demonstrate. And there's an awful lot of criteria. And it's really about, you know, doing things in the right way. So being an effective practitioner and providing coaching support to line managers, like building HR capability, listening to people, mm. communicating, consulting with them, you know, doing really just the good stuff. So if you think of even the 2013 CIPD profession map, all those lovely behaviours that are around the edges of that lovely map, kind of being collaborative and being driven to deliver, all of those sorts of things, they all come through. So all being just positive people practices. Yeah. Are they being assessed in real life? So that, or are they kind of like with actors or something to see whether you are able to demonstrate those behaviours? It's in real life. People that they're being observed um, in what they're doing. They have to present evidence. Yeah. So you know if they've been in in a meeting and they've done something that will tick off some of those skills yeah. and behaviours, they can present that and it can be like ticked off formatively. Ultimately, with the apprenticeship. It's an endpoint assessment. So they have to do a project and they have a professional discussion. Right. And they are the two ultimate pieces of work. That so they've done their hours, they've done various things to get absolutely. to that point, And then this is the line in the sand, the endpoint to assess. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. And that's one piece of work that I do. Yeah. So I assess consultative projects and I'll also conduct. So you'd um, go in and, and observe, shadow somebody for. A day or something it's all done remotely with hr right uh, you can go and do on-site assessments but ultimately it's remote and be- some um, endpoint assessments for apprenticeships are a lot more complex and you do need to go in and do observations whereas you don't you purely have a project that you need to mark that the person goes away and does within the workplace and then you can do professional discussion and you know technology is wonderful isn't it you can mm. do a z- zoom conversation mm. you can record it you can see each other. Absolutely. You know, it's such a good way of doing it. So um, from an organisational point of view, I mean, it's, uh, I've no idea if you know the answer to this question. I'm just wondering <laughs> in terms of are there more HR apprentices out there as a result? Of it? Do you know how much organisations are picking up on apprenticeships with relation to HR? Do you know, I don't know the answer to that question, although I would say that there's probably been quite a lot of stuff in the press recently that actually is still being underutilised, the apprenticeship levy. And I think they are still looking at the apprenticeship levy in general about mm. how easy it is to access yeah so I think there are challenges there personally I think that the HR apprenticeship route is an amazing opportunity for organizations to get people in and really help them get into HR because actually that is a massive struggle yeah. for individuals if you want to get into HR because it's one thing that I always did when I was kind of in my employed life I always wanted to set up departments that allowed entry-level HR because I found it so difficult. I was lucky yes. for me. It's I, true, isn't it? Unless you have like so a graduate scheme or something like that, or a rotation where you do a module mm-hmm. of it, it, it's actually basically people want a, someone to come in who knows what they're doing. Yeah. Because they want stuff fixed. And it's not necessarily <laughs> something that people think about investing in. Yeah. Unless you're true. a really large organisation. Definitely. And there are some organisations that have huge grad schemes mm. and that are very focused on really bringing loads of HR people through from having no HR knowledge at all, but it's really challenging for people to get into HR. And I think the apprenticeship route, particularly at like the HR support, the level three, is such a practical way Mm. for people to be able to access that development and then for the business to really reap benefits from that as well. Yes. 
such yeah, a, a practical thing. thing to, and you don't have to go the graduate route as yeah, well. No, absolutely. It's really cost effective for a business to get very, people in who are going to be skilled up. Very, very, very cost effective. And, and I think because they have to be assessed against skills as well and behaviours, you know, there's even more emphasis for them to demonstrate that learning in practice. I remember when I used to recruit into my teams and I get people applying that had a, they'd done a full-time master's in HR, but actually didn't really understand how that worked mm, in practice. No yeah, it's the classic, isn't it? Yeah. And they come in and they, they talk about all this stuff, but actually they couldn't bring that down to the level that they needed to apply it in a mm. workplace. That's where the apprenticeship route can work really, really, really well. But it's also something about when you're thinking about the level that you want to go into, if you want to study CIPD, being really honest about what can you do in your workplace? How can you apply that learning? Because that can sometimes be the challenge, both in feeling frustrated because you're learning stuff that you can't put into practice yeah. at work and also not understanding the content because maybe you're in an environment that doesn't allow you access to apply that learning. Mm. You just don't get it. Mm. So, you know, people sometimes want to go in at a level five, but actually a level three is much better. So, because I just don't think whether or not it's beneficial being in a small business or a large business, I'm not quite sure. Mm. Because in a large business, you would get potentially access to lots of departments and things going on. And probably there is lower level stuff that you can get at because of senior people who can do things. Yet in a smaller business, you have got, you get everything. It's quite an intensity. So yeah. I'm, I'm not sure whether it's, is it appropriate in both, in all sizes of business? Could it be? Yeah, I think it could be. Providing that if you're in a large organisation, that there is that support from your line manager as well to give you access to those different opportunities. Yeah, because you can end up being trapped in a very narrow yes. area, can't you? In, Absolutely. In a larger organisation, whereas in a smaller one, you kind of have to get stuck in and do everything. So you might get more breadth. That's it. When I started in HR, I was standalone HR and um, it was a baptism of fire, but it was the best learning experience I could have possibly had at the yes. same time. It, I mean, it was amazing. Some people would really like that, other people wouldn't. Yeah. But yeah, working in a large organisation, providing that you know that you can get access to other more specialist areas, then brilliant. Good. Right. Well, I'm just going to see how we're doing. I'm trying to final questions. <laughs> So in terms of the CIPD syllabus, here's, here's the one I put you on the spot. I don't know. Again, <laughs> I don't, really, don't really mean to. It went through my mind earlier. And the reason I'll ask is I'll give you context. Yep. I'm writing a book on change at mm -hmm. the moment. So I've got lots of stuff going on about change in my head. And HR are often the custodians of cultural change. Mm. We've talked about OD in past, well, as in yep. uh, stuff on the podcast, we've talked about OD. Is it much about OD or change in the syllabus? Or would you say that's something that could should be there? Or what's your view in that? on that? Well, if we think about level five, there is some on change. And I would probably say that there is um, there's a silver thread that runs through most of the modules, the current modules around change management. Yeah. OD, no. Mm. Um, it's probably, it's quite limited on that. Level seven, however, does have um, modules on organisational development and more, uh, it's probably, probably more around it's, change, which yeah. you would expect at yeah. level seven. At level five, yeah, I mean, there's one, there's one module, HRF, Managing Coordinating the HR Function, that really looks at kind of change management. And interestingly, um, you posted that white paper on LinkedIn the other um, week about Cotter, yes. which actually 
I thought it's a brilliant resource for level five students. I've posted that on the DPG community. Because well <laughs> what it does, it actually explains it really nicely in an organisation. So what does that look like yeah. in practice? That's half the battle, isn't it, with these yeah. series of models? Actually, yeah, you can get them contextually, but actually, how do you do it? Yeah, and that's what people want to know. And, and, yeah. and actually, that's the thing that, you know, when I'm assessing, I want to see that people have translated it. Yeah. So what does that look like in an organisation? Don't just talk to me about the theory because that's great. But if you start spouting that off to a manager, they're going to look at you and go, what are you talking about? You know, we don't want to be using jargon like that all the time. That doesn't make us come across as being credible and and understanding the business. So the... There can probably be even more, I would say, around change management. If we think, and obviously I have no idea what's going to be in the new qualifications, but if we look at the 2018 profession map, we've got a huge emphasis around evidence-based HR, for example. Yeah. And, you know, I listened to the one with Professor Rob Rina, and I'm a massive advocate of evidence-based HR. I love it. I love anything that's kind of data and, and yeah. driven and, and making good decisions based on that. So I think I would anticipate there'd probably be a lot more yeah. on it in the yeah. new qualifications because I think that is absolutely where we need to go as HR professionals. Because I nearly asked you that equipped. earlier actually in terms of you know the theories and things so is there mm. much on research because theories are different from evidence yes, aren't they? Absolutely. So they do are. you refer to much in terms of research in the CIPD? There, there is a reference yes, to it at the moment but potentially abs- more. There absolutely is so there's a real I would say a lot more of a portion, particularly because every single um, organisation that delivers CIPD qualifications has some freedom in terms of their assessment briefs, so how they write it to enable people to meet the criteria. So with all of ours at DPG, it's very much, you know, provide research evidence. We're looking for organisational examples. We're looking for the up-to-date contemporary research out there that mm-hmm. gives us some good stats. It's that best scientific data mm. that you can find, which obviously might not be too scientific. We are looking at level five, mm. but it's about looking at what's out there. What is the research telling us? Right. Because yeah, how are you expecting people within an organisation to be looking at that if you're not advocating that through the qualification route Brilliant. as well? Okay, so it sounds pretty well-rounded and you sound quite excited about where it's going in terms mm. of the new profession Definitely. map and, and what's going to go. When will it be refreshed? Do you know that yet or is it? I think it's going to be sometime towards the end of next year that they will uh, release it. So, you know, all eyes will be out for that. Looking forward to it. Finding out what the new content's going to be. It'll be great. Brilliant. So thanks so much, Tamsin. I've got to, as ever, I look and I go, oh, we could carry on talking, but we better stop. It's <laughs> uh, been, been really fascinating. And I think... I'd quite like to go and do it myself. So again, now it's just because actually if it's something you're interested in, yeah. great to get the the fresh up-to-date knowledge. Yeah, definitely. Um, loads of routes. Visit the CIPD website. There's lots of providers, clearly. Loads of providers. can do it. Um, watch D- which DPG I want. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, check it out. Yeah, what great. Saying. Thank you so much for having me listen. Great having you on. Thanks, Tim. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the HR Uprising podcast. You can access more information, including resources or links mentioned in the show at our website, www.hruprising.com. Also, you might want to join our LinkedIn community or tweet to us at HR Uprising. We'd love to hear from you.